0: Hey there, welcome to Authentically Raw. I'm your host, Jamie Daris. Today I have the privilege of welcoming the Therapy Sisters to the Authentically Raw podcast, Karis Pastor and Rachel Flowers. I will let them introduce themselves. Karis, go ahead, please
1: yeah hi thanks jamie it's great to be here i'm karis pastor and i'm one half of the therapy sisters i'm the older sister so just in case that was
0: (laughs) a question in anyone's mind um rachel and i are both clinical therapists i've been in the
1: field for i have to do the math i think it's like it's more than 15 years um maybe i shouldn't do the math maybe 15 we'll just stick with 15 (laughs) 15 years i i specialize in anxiety and women's issues and most recently trauma um I actually worked in private practice for a very long time, but for the last two years, I've worked for a company that does kind of an EAP program. So it's a benefit through employers. It's a little more short-term, very focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, So that's what I'm up to these days, besides the podcast with Rachel, which (coughs) we launched in January. So um, it's keeping us busy, but it's been amazing. I'm Rachel, the other half. The, I'm the younger sister, I guess, right? <laughs> Not the youngest. You know what, I the realized youngest of the, the three bunch. of us we we make what we, we complete each other's family unit, right? Because Jamie, you're the youngest of three sisters,
0: oh, and we're the I'm the oldest. And Rachel's in the middle.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> there yeah, There it is. There it is.
1: Love it. But, <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Yeah. So I've, no, no, no. I've also been. Um, clinical therapist for i don't know 15 years too probably if i do the math maybe a bit a little longer because you graduated a couple years before me yes um and i started um out with working primarily with just eating disorders so anorexia bulimia binge eating disorder and then through time like most diagnoses there were multiple things going on and so kind of shift through time and so now i i do work with that a little bit but i do a little bit more with um disordered eating patterns, which a lot of women have that don't fit their criteria for eating disorder, mm-hmm. a lot of binge emotional eating, and then a, I do a lot of trauma work. So I spend my day job, my day job, I co-own a large private practice, So we have about 25 clinicians that we have working with us, and then I see clients throughout the week and mostly do a ton of EMDR and a ton of um, just CBT and trauma-focused work. So. I work a lot with women. I have a few men on my case so, but I do a lot of anxiety, depression, and then, you know, everybody has trauma. <laughs> I think I thought mm-hmm. early in my career that trauma was all the big T's, but I just, you know, everybody has little T's that they have that it impacted the ways that they believe and behave. And so, um, as you'll hear on our podcast at some point, I also do a lot of uh, ego states parts work. So, a lot of healing of the little parts of us mm-hmm. that need to be nurtured and cared for so we can integrate and just become healthier people. So. I do that, and then Karis and I are both moms, and then we are both wives, and then we- we do that we're, we're sisters. I kept and, it profesh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll go into we, have, we have dogs. We're dog moms. And- um, uh uh-huh. I also have a cat. Yeah, we, yeah, you have a cat. You have a cat. I don't like cats, but I like your cat. Um, He's super sweet. But we, he is sweet. But we we just really, we started this, we, well, we launched in January, but we started this a couple years ago. <laughs> And I think finally at a point where like we have got we have to get this off the ground because I think for us Jamie like this is such a good platform to reach more people because our client work is so beautiful but it's one on one and this is such a good way yeah. to like reach more women <coughs> and then normalize more situations and just talk about the hard stuff nobody talks about so we can create a space where there's just community and connection which is our ultimate goal so we love for it to take mm-hmm. off and be in a place
0: where we could do more and more with this so. Um, Thanks so much for yeah. having us. Yeah. And thank you. And thank you for your podcast. I think yeah. you hit the nail on the head. These are, you can work one-on-one, but when you have a podcast, you can reach so many more people and your ripple effect is huge mm-hmm. because yeah. there are so many issues that we do not talk about enough. Mm-hmm. With. Yes. And the second you start to talk about it, you hear me too, me too, me too. Everybody mm-hmm. struggling with all of life's stuff on their own. And it is not true. Everybody yeah. has this stuff. And we are too afraid really to speak up and talk about it. Yes. And speaking <laughs> of, I had no idea I was going to throw this out there. I knew eventually someday I would, um, but I knew it couldn't be a solo cast. I knew I couldn't mm. do it on my own. And it was something far in the making. <clears throat> and, we ran i really ran across um your guys's podcast just in our group because we all took the course together and learned mm-hmm. how to podcast and launch and i was going through and reviewing and when i listened to the therapy sisters kirsten rachel i felt an instant connection mm-hmm. i i felt oh yeah, I'm a sister here. We have so much <laughs> yes. with both of you. Mm-hmm. And especially Rachel, when you spoke about your anorexia. Mm-hmm. And I have struggled and I can say I have been I don't know if you call it healed from more of an exercise addiction so Mm -hmm. i'm 47 and i can say that it's really only been within the last five years that i can really kind of talk about it a little bit and admit it out loud i knew to myself and i um i hit it and i would say that this addiction started for me probably when i was about 18. Mm Yeah, <laughs> and so I've always. One thing I do want to mention is I've always been into the health, the wellness, the exercise. My degree is in you know more of the exercise science. I taught in gyms. I did personal training. I'm all about health and nutrition and well being, and I started out that way. And I was pretty. Even though I think I started kind of that addiction around you know my late teens, and I I do feel like it started from a lot of direct and indirect messages, which from a very young age. Um, I have four children. My oldest is about 21 and my youngest is nine. And the things that they even say about their bodies at such Mm -hmm. a young age is Mm -hmm. appalling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the messages that are sent, whether it is out in society through commercials, billboards, magazines, whatever, or directly spoken to you or I think at least for me, and I don't know how much people explore this, is the indirect messages of the way someone, let's say there is a person walking by and someone ridicules their body Mm -hmm. at that person. But personally for me, I took that internally to mean if I look that way, I'm not approved i'm not worthy i'm not valuable i'm not loved i do not want to look that way okay. and so you mentioned you're strong too on the enneagram mm-hmm. <laughs> More sensitive we feel and and i mm-hmm. you know now i can realize um you know where all of this came from but mm-hmm. how we internalize what our bodies should look like to feel worthy and loved i think is universal male female, young, Mm -hmm. and the messages that are out there, um, how, I mean, they are in here (laughs) and how do we, you know, rewire that thinking of Mm -hmm. getting back in line with ourselves and Mm -hmm. loving ourselves because I see now it's that disconnect when I look back. Um, mm-hmm. I could uh, tell a little bit more of my story, some of the real low points, but is there anything, either one of you want to tap in so far to, yeah, make-
1: I was going to say too, you know, I think one of the things that people often don't think about too, is when you compliment somebody's body, right? Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know, I think about even like, as a little, like my daughter is nine and she's always been kind of a little wiry <laughs> little girl, she's just long and lanky. But I have a friend whose daughter was a little bit chubbier and then she thinned out cause she's having some stuff going on and people commented like, oh, she's going into such a beautiful little girl. And thankfully my friend is very aware, but like the messaging of that, like the, the concern of what does that communicate to my little girl? Like now you're this beautiful little girl because you've thinned out and everybody knows it and commenting about things even in that manner. And I think I live in a world where, um, you know, and you're this way too, Karis. Like, like we don't do that like we don't talk about our bodies or food or anything with sure. our kids like we model health like all foods in moderation and like yes we can get a treat and yes don't eat too much because your tummy will hurt you know like listening to your body type stuff but I don't know that that's necessarily the norm for a lot of people on how they raise their kids even if it's comments they make about themselves or even a projection of you know no, there's nothing wrong with telling your kid you look so pretty today but i think sometimes even the positive messages that people feel are positive like if a woman loses weight, you look fantastic it just feeds that like narrative of like oh you're noticing yeah. i'm gonna keep going and i think it's so interesting that we have the right to comment on somebody's body like no matter yeah. what whether you lost weight you gained weight whatever like the, the the feeling that you have permission to say a word which usually is your own stuff um that just keeps that narrative going in our culture you know like just noticing any of that. Yeah and it reinforces the the message that like you're more valuable when you're Mm -hmm. smaller or when you when your body looks a certain way or fits a certain ideal Mm -hmm. um because we're we're yeah we're we're highlighting that or we're Mm -hmm. we're associating positive feedback or positive language around that um Mm -hmm. And it feels good right it feels good but it's one of those things that it feels good in a way that's not good for us right because it reinforces mm-hmm. that exact mm-hmm. kind of programming that's that's really yeah. deep and you're so right jamie like it starts at a really young age mm-hmm. and it is so internal and it, i think it's a lifelong process to mm-hmm. to rewire that mm-hmm. you know because a lot of times you don't even realize what you're carrying around until you're like mm-hmm. our age right mm-hmm. in your 30s and your 40s and it's just like oh wow I didn't realize how much value I was placing on that and then beginning that work sure. is I think a journey.
0: And I think too, the prominent figures in your life, whether they're parental or you know family members, it could be teachers or coaches or somebody that you really have a connection to and admire and how do they talk about their own body? How do they mm-hmm. comment on other people's yep. bodies? What kind of compliments are they giving you? We all register and process that so different, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for me, it definitely was. If I, if I can be, you know, look this perfect way, which is impossible, um, because it's always what is perfect, perfect. right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> Perception of what that perfection <clears throat> look like for you, for them, for anybody, and you strive to do that. Um, it's 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 becomes an obsession and an addiction. Mm -hmm. And I can say, so I started to teach group exercise classes when I was in college, I started to teach. uh, I went to Grand Valley State University for all of us Michigan people, but staff members. I was a ripe old age of 19. And I also taught at like uh, Grand Rapids Community College, you know, here in town. And so I taught like these older women just loved it. As the years evolved, after um, you know, I was more in my 20s. I started teaching at more gyms, and when I started to do that, it was you know more in my 20s, was married, and I started to teach the early the five and six a.m. crowd, and they are a driven crowd, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna a do lot of that was in. that. I mean, they are there, and they are yeah. you know, back in the day when everybody was labeled that type A. Uh, and that's the crowd I was with. They, we all would run races or they were big bikers and it was hours and hours of working out was the thing to do more, better. And there was a lot of that, a lot of commenting and being up in front of the class. I began to feel all this pressure of, I don't look a certain way. I am not showing up for these people. You have to practice what you preach. You have to look a certain way. They're going to stop coming to your classes. So any compliments and anything, it actually had a really adverse effect on me, and I even remember when um, I would got pregnant with my first, and that pressure of you need to keep your classes exactly the same for this oh, entire pregnancy. I lo- exactly, I, I think back of that now, and I just oh, it breaks my heart that mm-hmm. I even felt like that. And people would say, boy, you just, you don't miss the beat. Your classes are still like, you know, super hard and this and that. And I, I look back how sick I was, you know, when those Mm -hmm. first, I was sick, like the first five months powered through every day, uh, 4am. I mean, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm sure my heart rate was higher than was healthy. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, even going back, getting on, the bike or in the classes when my son was like five weeks old and you know, you sleep what? 45 minutes and you're up. Or as you sleep another 45, I can remember nursing in the middle of the night, looking at the clock. Well, it's three 30. I might as well just get ready to go to the gym. Wow. But you just keep, it's the, why, what am I doing? And even in the midst of all the the teaching, I kept a log, an exercise log, and if I ran anything less than two thousand miles in a year, I felt like I was just worthless. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how you talk to yourself, and I would mm-hmm. keep track of the hours, and I don't really know how well I hit it. I really, really worked hard to not show or not talk about. Um, you know, exercise too much or food or anything mm-hmm. like that. With my kids and same thing with compliments. I do not compliment them on their looks very often, and sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder if I probably should more. But I, I knew what was happening inside of me, and I never in a million years wanted my kids to feel this yeah.
1: way. Right, yeah. right. Well, that's a
0: lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't. And even if adults. uh, don't have, say, an anorex, if they're not anorexic, they're not bulimic, or they don't have an exercise um, addiction, I feel the real epidemic is that overall body image, Yeah. And even with diet culture. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys were into the whole, like when I was in my early 20s, it was the fat-free stuff. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. tons of carbs and breads and gluten, which I am highly... I have a huge sensitivity to, and the dairy yeah. was big, like it's just mm-hmm. all the fat free. And then it went into the zone. And now it's like the intermittent fasting. And I just, you see everybody jump on whether it's yeah. good in their body, whether it's healthy, whether it feels right. Um, maybe it makes you yeah. irritable, it makes you sick and we do it anyway. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think
0: I was going to say real quick, Jamie about what
1: you were saying about the gym. Um, and the pressure, there was no thought of, does that feel good to me? Right, like it was just you just went with it because it's what you were told, yeah. and so you, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's such a good example of like, you know, I think because I'm so tender, the way things impacted, and we've shared bits of our story on our podcast, and obviously we were affected differently in our lives, right? Even like, um, like we're both tender people but our reaction to emotion was really different, right? How we handled that was really different because of how we internalized mm-hmm. it, right? And we come from the same mm-hmm. family and have a lot of the same experiences, which is so, it's its fun to see and interesting to see that you can have the same, a lot of the similar, similar things, including your genes <laughs> and have like a different outcome, you know? And so it's interesting because I think it was probably the same for you where it was like, okay, I have to do this. You know, there's no thought of like that. And then the other thing that always gets me, I say this to clients all the time, the diet culture is the only industry that does not provide a refund for non-guaranteed quality that diets usually gain so back in this pressure that it, you know, brings on that cycle of shame and all that personalized belief, which really is just the distortion of culture. And we keep paying for it. Like, in what other world do I get my hair done and it turns out purple and you don't refund my money, right? Or I buy meat at the grocery store and it's gross stinky and I return it and they say of course we're so sorry we're, you know it's the only industry that is that toxic and that manipulative and people keep believing it and buying into it wanting more and more and more and there's no thought of like I'm getting the same result it's not doing anything for me because right. it's such a narrative of right. like like you sell a lie you'll be so much happier when yeah. you'll feel better when and I can tell you there was never a time I stepped on that scale and felt better it was like ooh, what now how, what else can I do? Okay, I yeah. accomplished. Okay, yeah. it was never like yes, I've now I'm good because it never really was about that. It was about my own regulation and my own inability to control whatever was happening around me. And I think until you start to think through some of that, like, do I like this? Does this work for me? Do I agree with this? Which some of it you probably couldn't do in your early twenties because you didn't know to. You know who does? <laughs> who knows to do that? Of in course, 20s? yeah, your brain's not developed, right? So it's just interesting. Like, there's just no interruption of that still,
0: like, because we just don't know different, you know? Yeah. I even feel just the one line that really pops up for me right now. And you talk about that, you know, like no refunds or whatever. It's yeah. the whole diet culture or body image, or, you know, whatever the messages they send you, the more <laughs> you hate yourself, the more they profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really took oh, me yeah. until midlife to okay. I need to go internal. There is some things inside of me that I really need to work through. Yeah, and it is the more you hate yourself, the more you shame and disgust yourself. You know, they they profit, and yeah, it, it almost is like that rebellion now. Like screw you, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, I love yes. me now. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. Taking that analogy deeper, it's also like you know. You, you go to the salon and they dye your hair purple and you didn't want purple. And then you keep going back and you keep getting purple <laughs> right. or you keep buying the rotten, the rotten chicken from the grocery store. Right. You just keep buying it. Yeah. Um, you would do that. A couple, of, right. a couple of things stood out to me, Jamie, too, as you were talking about that. And one was like, you know, the just the very black and white sort of belief. And I think this is true for a lot of women of like, I'm either successful by this measure or I'm an absolute failure. Right. With no like, where's the gray, right? Nothing Mm -hmm. in between of like, hey, some days I can kill it. And other days I can't, like, I just can't do it. Like, I just have to rest, you know, and that sort of thing. But like those really extreme measures. And like, I know we sort of talked about too, off the podcast about like the perfectionist piece, mm-hmm. pre- perfectionism piece. And so I think that's true for a lot of women too, like those incredibly high standards that we we hold ourselves to. And even your example of you had a new baby and like it's 3.30 in the morning and it might as well go, <laughs> go work out. You know, we just pe- keep pushing, 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 and we don't pause to listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we know to pause to listen <clears throat> until yeah. now, no. until things hit that fever pitch yeah. where it's like. Now it's demanding our attention, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the other, th- yeah. And then the other thing too is just how that ends up, re- again, reinforcing and defining our value and our worth. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's so, there's so many other markers, and there's so many more valid ways to measure mm-hmm. that. And actually, when it comes to worth, we don't have to have anything to measure it. We have Rachel and I both believe in inherent worth. We're mm-hmm. worthwhile because just we're here. We're human beings. <laughs> yeah. You're just yeah. good. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah yeah it reminds yeah. me too of I feel it's almost a sort of punishment that we do to ourselves. and whereas now I look at exercise as a gift mm-hmm. I give myself. and I approach mm-hmm. so. A different. I remember days of I mean my, my, my body always hurt. It always ached. Mm-hmm. I there was something always injured, and it was a daily dose of ibuprofen. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Even it got to the point I, you know, tore um, a plenty and had to have surgery. But up until that day of surgery, just keep popping the ibuprofen and go out and run. Just keep doing this. Push through. Oh, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. My chest mm-hmm. always hurt. You know, when you are mm-hmm. outside and you exercise, you run or you do something vigorous in the in the cold. And you just have that yes. feeling of like, yes. when I take a deep breath. I had that every day. Mm-hmm. All the time. Because I would, and, and I even had you know, one of those watches that would track, you know, how far you go, how fast you're running, just mm-hmm. everything. And I, my, my mile um, had to be faster all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't running a, you know, just over like a six and a half minute mile, then you lazy, mm-hmm. you know? Well, how can you mm-hmm. Because it's running on nothing.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was trying to tell you.
0: Slow down. To speak to you. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I yeah. think, yeah. and I, I'm not going to lie. And I, I There's not one person out there that doesn't exercise in one of the boxes to check is cosmetic because I, I'm not going to say, oh, that has nothing to do with why I exercise. Yeah, of course it does. But it is at the bottom of the list now. And it is more about going out there. I listen to podcasts, something inspiring. That's like my half meditation time, growing time, spiritual time, prayer. It is where I write my books. It's where I come up with podcast ideas. It's so, it's like, I can't wait to get out there because I give this gift and it's connecting nature and just like the fresh air. None of that was any part of it before, but it takes a lot to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sad when we look around because so few people exercise for those reasons, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, So it sounds like now for you, that reframe has allowed exercise to become almost a sacred space. Mm -hmm. It's where you're in your flow. It's where you're creative. It's where you're connected. And I think that's like that's a sweet spot. That's like you Mm -hmm. said. There's there's multiple reasons why we exercise. And we just we it's hard to get away from like the aesthetic piece of it but Mm -hmm. reframing that around i'm doing this for me because for me it's become about i want to be healthy i want to be strong i want to age well i want to like when i have grandkids one day i want to be able to like chase them through the yard i don't want to be sitting with a cane on the couch you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's about it's about all of those things now but i love that it did become sort of that sacred space for you that's so connecting Mm -hmm. well and i was thinking you were talking too jamie like what you're describing is that you are connecting back to yourself mm-hmm. which like you spent years coming home yourself. to yourself yes <laughs> you spent years it might be a of birth, but you spent years like leaving your body to do the things right or popping out your profile or feeling pain ignoring it and now it's like this is where I come back to my body and so I don't want to miss that today I like, think that feels very different than like an obligatory run you know
0: right right yeah and it, you know at the time I didn't realize okay all of this Overdoing and and whatever anybody does, as far as you know, whether they shun themselves for what they're eating, hopping on this diet, or just the way they talk to themselves about their body, or whatever habits they have, it's really stopping and asking yourself, "Well, who am I doing this for? Am I truly doing this for me? Because obviously, I wasn't. It was for other people, and I think mm-hmm. that that is what is so pushed at us." Mm -hmm. in society today. If you, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, think about it, you know, everybody, (laughs) it's like, you're doing this for the approval and acceptance of love of everybody else. It doesn't, you know, it's not for the, you know, I I want strong bones. I mean, who Mm -hmm. gets on, who's supposed to exercise and is focused on building, you know, muscle mass for the reason of I'm supporting my joints. So when I'm 80 mm-hmm. and I, well, I don't break my hip. I am really right. working out my heart <laughs> and muscle today or my lungs, my lung capacity. Because when I'm 85, I mean, what are we really thinking of? And mm-hmm. when we're focused on ourselves and why we're doing it and how it makes us feel, it changes everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It changes mm-hmm. the relationship. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do people
1: get there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was curious, Jamie, if you don't mind me asking, like, what was your process? Like, how did what got your attention finally where you're like, oh my goodness, this is a
0: problem for me?
1: And it sounds like you had some awareness of that, right? Like, internal awareness, but that conscious awareness of this is a problem for me. And then what was your process?
0: I was, let's see, I was in the, you know, re- in the fitness, we'll call it the fitness industry for, almost 15 years before i knew i have to step out i knew Mm -hmm. i was so burnt out so exhausted and i knew it was unhealthy because i i remember why i went this way in the first place and it really was just the love of overall well-being you know physical mental emotional Mm -hmm. and i was so far from that Mm -hmm. but i still carried a lot of that with me even after i quit and it just took a few more years, <laughs> three more kids, right? So I have four kids, mm-hmm. and I can say with each, well, with my my last two, it was a big eye opener of how I want them to feel about their bodies. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, yeah, I just love them. I love them for who they are, not what they mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. And a big eye opener to me of why don't I love me for me, flaws and all, for who mm-hmm. I am, not what I look like. And if people only like me, love me, accept me for what I look like and not who I am, I don't need them in my life anymore. Yes. And there's that. Yeah. Tool, and I love this <clears throat> quote, stop seeking approval from people who don't even approve of themselves. And when mm, I really started that's good. About, like about all these messages and where they came from and how I internalized them, it's all these messages of either directly or indirectly from people that don't approve from themselves, approve of themselves or a mm-hmm. culture that does not want you to approve of yourself so they can make money off of you. Yeah. And it, it's kind of that, like, I'm smarter than that. Mm-hmm. I'm than that. I'm. It, it's those, it, it, that was kind of my turning point and no, it didn't turn quickly. It took several years and I will still fall in that uh, category every so often. I just don't, stay there you know holidays come around and say you overindulge and overindulge and the first thing that comes into my mind is you know i better get out there for a good six six to eight miles today and i mm-hmm. have to reel myself in no <laughs> <I> don't <laughs> right sort of that reward and punishment narrative yep. so toxic. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it really is yep mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the intuitive part—it's listening to your body. I know, Rachel, you talked about—you know—some days it's a a hip exercise, some days it's yoga, some days it's walking. Right? That was Rachel, right? Or was that Karis? Mm-hmm. I'm listening. And, I think like, we talked about I, it. We had a conversation
1: about it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but just listening to your body and yeah. what does my body need? It's not what someone else needs for me. It's mm-hmm. what do right. I need?
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think that's
1: really loving, you know? And so when you talk about process, there's, I think there's a lot that goes hand in hand. We can't separate our emotional side or, um, you know, really our emotional side from our mental side from our physical health. Like it's Mm -hmm. all deeply interconnected, right? And so when when we're talking about how do I start changing that relationship, it's really like changing the full relationship with yourself. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when you can say, today my body feels exhausted and i'm gonna rest that is a loving act and that is a behavioral Mm -hmm. way to kind of address that and start moving moving that needle a little bit more towards self-love instead of self-loathing um and so when you listen in that way and you have you you internalize that message of like my body's exhausted i'm gonna listen to it you know and then you, you do that more and more, and you, you just nurture that relationship with yourself. I think that's how the wheels of change begin. But I think it's a multi-level practice, right? So we've got the like the the fitness and the physical side of it and learning to kind of be responsive, learning mm-hmm. to really figure out where limits are. Sometimes it's good to push our limits, right? Sometimes it's good to like get over a hurdle, and that's as much of a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge, right? But sometimes it's not good for us, you know, and we need... Part of it is just building that awareness. I think a lot of people don't even recognize that within their own bodies. though. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of disconnect. And so, like mm-hmm. you said, looking back like that with your hindsight, you can see, OK, my body was telling me I was having all these pains. I needed surgery at one point. Your habits were telling you something was out of out of alignment. Right. And so just really starting to evaluate and just paying attention, I think, is a great first uh, step. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just want to acknowledge that that is hard work, especially when we haven't been accustomed to that. And if we can not wait until our body screams at us for attention, you know, because eventually it will, we can't, we can't, that's not sustainable long-term. But if we can, if we can start that process now, even if, even if like you don't have a good relationship with, with your body and with working out and that sort of thing, but you just start paying attention, that's a great Kind of first step
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the whole the whole process it's so holistic across mm-hmm. you know all the aspects of who we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what are your thoughts rachel well i was just going to say to you i think one of the things that's really tricky when you have a disordered way of thinking surrounding your body is i'm sure you experienced this, Jamie, a little bit that you said but the shame narrative is so 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 loud mm-hmm. and so yeah. i think like and i've shared this in our physical podcast like i'm still a work in progress as far as like my body is communicating to me surrounding like autoimmune stuff right because there are days where i have caught myself in a spiral of, like oh crap what did i do what did i eat that is um like activating this physical symptom right now and there's a blame in that instead of like oh my body is communicating something to me and something goes off so i'm just going to put my hand over my heart and offer kindness to myself i hear you i'll mm-hmm. take care of you today
0: I'll mm-hmm. make sure that
1: I eat foods that nourish me well today because, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I think my body has been through a lot. And so I think when you go through a space of recovery, um, which I'm not sure you're joining of that, Jamie, but mine involves going to therapy and working through all of that. Um, it was a lot of work to undo just that narrative of shame. And it was so loud and so present mm-hmm. and so, and I think I this in one of our podcasts too, but. I hadn't really experienced it again until i had a baby and i was trying to breastfeed and it wasn't working like i mm-hmm. pumped more than probably 10 women combined <laughs> you know i smelled like every single staff you could put on your chest to make more milk production and i remember i remember before i had before i got pregnant being very aware like, this is the first time my body has legitimately changed since i've been well and mm. it, it didn't affect me like that like i was like i was in such a healthy space i was there was a baby, like my belly was growing, everything felt good. And I think, I don't know, like maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it's just health. Maybe I was protected from some of that. I don't know. But when I had my baby, I didn't even go into that space. What I did go into is like, I'm not adequate because I can't breastfeed. And so then all yeah. that shame came back again until I realized, like, oh, that's my eating disorder's voice in a whole different way because it was about inadequacy mm-hmm. and shame. And once I really worked through mm-hmm. that, which thank God, like, and Karis likes to remind me she's like, I told you to quit breastfeeding. But it was like, it was such a process. <laughs> like it was such a hard process because I couldn't even figure out why I was reacting the way I was and putting such urgency on myself to do this the right way. And so I think it's interesting because that it, it, it's it's so easy to say, like, oh, and it and this isn't what we're saying, but I think it's easy for people to say, like, listen to your body. Where some people, if I sit and listen to my body, I'm gonna feel real bad. <laughs> like if I really <clears> sit down and listen to like that's communicating to me i'm gonna feel like i I can't do that and that's part of why the behaviors exist right because if i escape i don't have to feel it and so i think the shame part like the the undoing of the narrative because the narrative builds like you might start with exercise right and then you have this narrative i need to do more i need to go harder i need to be fitter i need to look this way which just then filters into every other behavior you have about your body And it isn't about listening or realizing your body's been there all along. She's never done you wrong. She's never Mm -hmm. hurt you. But I think going back to what you were saying, Karis, like really getting to a place of like, how do you offer self-compassion and kindness? Because you would Mm -hmm. never speak to your best friend the way you speak to yourself ever. Right. Like I would never look at my best friend and be like, well, you probably should have eaten those naturals last night. That's why your belly's upset this morning. I would say, oh my gosh, let me bring you some soothing tea. I'm so sorry you don't feel good, but I'm here, you know? And so it's even, even just that I'm here to your Mm -hmm. own body. It's sometimes they're like, Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) You know, you know, one thing I thought of, um, and, and this kind of dawned on me probably only about two years ago is that I feel I was avoiding rejection and shame, but yet what I was doing was rejecting myself and shaming uh, myself. I yeah. can just do this to myself, then I won't have to feel it from the outside. Yes. I've really yeah. thinking this in my head um, or you know, subconsciously I obviously was for decades <laughs> without yeah. realizing it. But it's like, if I can just do this to myself, I'm gonna avoid someone rejecting me or someone shaming me. And yeah. I just, you know, you ended up doing it, you do it to yourself. And it's like you said, it's it's never enough. When, mm-hmm. when am I gonna finally be satisfied with, you know, mm-hmm. the way, I, the way I look, the way I exercise, it's never mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, you're, you're good. Oh, I was going to say, I, like, that's such a good example of like a, a self-preserving defense mechanism, right? So if I yeah. do these things, you can't hurt me. And it's right. interesting because those things develop subconsciously, like nobody knows. I mean, those are, those are things that, you know, I might point that to a client and they're like, oh, oh, you're so right. But they don't know it because you don't know it. You're just living your life. Right. And so right. it takes like that, you know, looking back to recognize like I was totally in a space of protecting myself. So I couldn't get her. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such a shift from protection to being with yourself, because if someone does reject me, I have me now. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly and that's right. all I need. And I, I, I mean, granted, I have wonderful supports, Right. But like, there's such when you when you leave your body you don't know yourself or your body when you come into your body you can really evaluate like is that a true statement is that a fair feeling is that my stuff or yours and then when you have wonderful supports who will tell you the truth you can really process through that like did I do this Karis or what do you think you know Mm -hmm. and like walk Mm -hmm. through it which is such a beautiful space to live in and it like what you were saying Karis it's gray you'll have to all Mm figure it out because you're just living your life in a really self-aware, present way, you know? So it just, yeah. it, it, it's interesting how, you know, you can really shift that need to preserve to just being present. I don't need to protect myself if I'm in myself, right? Because mm. I would be willing to bet, Jamie, you know now when you're not in yourself.
0: Like, you know now if you're not okay, which is self-awareness. This Yeah. yeah. So, but yep. Awareness just takes, it, it takes time to- It does. Uh, it takes time to develop. The thing yeah. is, is I feel like I've always been very self-aware, but I was just in such denial. I don't, yes. that, it, yep. it, I'm fine though. It just, I keep trucking through, you know, going mm-hmm. on. And now the, the self-awareness is, it. it's just evolved, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in the form of, okay, pay attention to this, nurture yourself. One thing I want to point out, and I, I I want your take on this, and I don't want to have it come across as like nitpicking or criticizing. But one thing I have really been aware of the last year or two, and I've stopped doing it, and I've commented a little bit even to my daughters, is do you ever notice when there's a group of women or even just two women that take a picture, what does Mm the uh, woman on the outside do with her arm? (laughs) It's always like this, right? uh And why is that? because then I want my arm to look thin. If you scroll in, you know, your pictures, pictures that people post anything, it's, it makes me sad because that's not a natural thing to do to walk around with our arms on our hips, but it's those little things or how the legs are posted. And even in young girls, Mm -hmm. oh, how it's, it's, even if they don't have anything beyond that, it's still that message of, I have to pose in this way to look a certain way to be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I think with little kids, like I think some of
1: that stuff is on the Disney channel. Like there's stuff my daughter said where I'm like, whoa, or even like, this is silly, but like, my son for sure learned shut up from the Disney Channel, <laughs> right? He's seven. I'm like, what do you doing? I, said, I don't know. And then my daughter will say from the show, right? But I think, you know, I, it's interesting because my daughter is nine and I see some of that in her and I think it is what, what she observes from, or like, you know, she loves watching gymnasts because she's a gymnast. And even that, like, so-and-so does this, so-and-so does this, so-and-so does this, Yeah. Like there, there is like a, a commenting or a learning about things. And we have lots of conversations about like, all bodies are good and all bodies look different. And the body is just the place that you live in, right? And what matters is how can mm-hmm. you are. all these other things, right? But like, yeah, those narratives are everywhere. And I also think too, yeah. I'm going off a rabbit trail for a minute, but I also think too, one thing I've had to keep in mind, cause I don't know if you, if you do this, Jamie, but I definitely, and you've helped me with this too, Karis, like, well, maybe it means this, but I, because of my own history, and never wanting my children to go through what i did sometimes they'll say things and i'll hear something and i'll kind of have this internal panic response and then i realize oh no no, no. i'm i'm hearing that at 38 she's nine so what she meant by right. that was this but what i heard in it was this and so even the clarifying question of like what does that mean to you oh it just means like what was it um something about her legs like what does that mean to you oh it just means that i um feel like I am not as tall as my friend who's two inches taller than me.
0: Oh, that's not what I heard
1: at all. You know, (laughs) I should have worn my fleece pants today. Um, I don't like my legs. What does that mean? Well, I'm cold. I should have worn my fleece pants today. Oh, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're like, what do you mean? you don't like, so it's so funny because I think I think even one of the things Karis and I talk a lot about is just being curious to experience. So I think that's our own experience, but I think that's also the experience of our children. But then I think even in that, like there can be compassion for the post, right? Because that, that narrative comes from somewhere and we're all behaving out of what we know. And so I think it's sad, but there's also a space of, okay, so there's some work to do here. If people feel that pressure to respond that way or they don't even know they are. Cause lots of us don't, I mean, most of us don't know who we're doing, I, you know? Yeah, I had that thought, like that, the hand on the hip sort of thing for, I think for most is not even a conscious act. Yeah. yeah. You just, you know, you just, Get into that pose um, mm-hmm. because that's what you do. That's what you've seen others do. And that's like you said, it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah I, and it is, it is, it is sad to see it among you know younger younger girls and that sort of thing. But I think yeah, the conversation piece is important. The curiosity mm-hmm. is so important, yeah. and the compassion. You know, compassion for ourselves. If you look back on a picture of yourself and you see yourself doing that, compassion for who that woman was then versus who you are now, because you didn't know then the things that you know now, and then compassion for other people, you know, yeah. like, oh, look at, like, however that kind of manifests in your head, but just kind of that loving, curious bend can be so powerful and helping to, to I guess, just navigate
0: through that mm-hmm. and figure out what do we do with that information then? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it is it's that self-awareness of, wait a minute, why am I, say, posing this way? What is it that I'm really doing? And what for? Am I any less of a person? Am I, am I beautiful regardless, you know, inside and out? And it's, Mm -hmm. but it takes work to be able to get to that point. It does. Yeah. And yeah. Do you want to point on any of your, your history? We didn't, I didn't know. (laughs) What was that, Jamie? With your inner anorexia. What was your your process and your healing and that, how did that look for you? Yeah, so, um,
1: I mean, I got busted my senior year of high school.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I'm, I remember my, my mom, I think my mom was a little curious, but she figured it out and I couldn't lie to her anymore. You know what's interesting, when you moved out, Karis, you left a book behind and I moved into her room and I read it and it was written by someone who was recovered from bulimia. And I like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I read it and I remember having this moment of like, oh, why do these things? Like, I, like mm. there's something wrong. And I don't like, I literally remember that closet on North High Drive, I literally, or no. Oh, I love that yeah, closet. Highland Drive. I literally yeah. found it, You, it was from some conference you went to like some youth conference, you know, it was Ron Luce's wife. I found it in the <laughs> closet and I don't know why I read it, but I did probably because I think it was like beauty was in the title and I probably thought it taught me how to be beautiful. But,
0: but like, because I, it was
1: mine. Yeah. And I <laughs> you read it you. this is how she got so beautiful um but like but yeah i read it and I, I i think i sat with that for a few months um because there was so much shame and i think you know we grew up in a pretty conservative christian culture and so i had a lot of pressure of being like the good girl mm-hmm. and that's not a very good girl behavior and i think i didn't understand that there was a deep root to that and that it actually wasn't about me being vain or caring about how I looked but that's what I thought like people are going to think this thing about me so I guess two people so anyway I ended up getting busted um I don't think my parents knew what to do because it wasn't like that wasn't a prevalent thing back then like now it's everywhere like they didn't I don't think they knew what to do so I went to therapy for a few months and then I moved a thousand miles away and kept it up for a few years and I think I you know like a lot of disordered eating mind flopped between different avenues of doing that and so I gained a ton of weight because I was binging so much and I think because I gained weight I think my parents thought I was okay like because Mm -hmm. I put on a bunch of weight Mm -hmm. like oh she's gained her normal quote college weight she's fine right which was like my worst case fear and Mm -hmm. felt very panicked so long story short um I ended up going to therapy for myself around 21 um when I graduated college and I entered into my first job as a social worker and uh had ended a long term relationship and was just kind of alone with myself. um And I was working at a home, a residential home for Iris Teen Moms, and this woman came to speak about eating disorders. And I was like, I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, she knows. She knows. Yeah. <laughs> she is here because this is about her clients. This is about <laughs> me. And so I don't know what made me do it, but I was brave. I think it was really brave at 21 to go up to her and say, hey, I need some help. And she referred me to a therapist who has recovered. and Um, you know, because I am kind of type A, like I was really motivated to do the work. But what's interesting is um, I'm still doing the work. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have eating disorder behaviors anymore. And I don't misuse exercise or any other things. Like I'm, I really love food. Now I really love movement. I really love my body and being in my body. I don't spend hours looking in the mirror obsessing over. It's just, I'm getting older and there's things that are changing in that time. But i'm always in recovery as far as my awareness of how i communicate with my body mm-hmm. and even like some of the stuff how do i word this like i'll call it little traumas like little emotional traumas that i didn't know were in there that were affecting my body mm-hmm. that i'm still in the process of working through and i think i think rather than being angry about that like i really and i do have days where i'm angry for sure as Karis, you can see our texting mm-hmm. log where i'm like my body today is not working well <laughs> um like it is really healing to be in a space of and now I have more information and tools to take care of her and listen to her and be with her so I think I think body work is ongoing whether you've had a history of eating disorder or not yeah I think even with my daughter like there's something where she had um indigestion the other night and she gets kind of nervous about that sort of thing and so I had her I had her tap which is something you do in EMDR to install cognition and I had her say like, I am good, and she, I am good, my body is good, my body is good, my body is communicating to me, my mommy is here for me, and she just kept doing it, and then she went to sleep, because she already has this, like, why do I feel this way, and there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with you, you have gas, because you had too much food, <laughs> like, your body's just acting yeah. normally, but, mm-hmm. but she's a lot like me, and so she had that narrative of, like, <gasps> and I'm, like, hey, she's just communicating to you, and we just got to listen to it, and so I think, even in that, I feel like I continually heal myself, as I do it different with my kids, you know, and it's yeah. just such a work and yeah. a work in progress. And I, I love like, you know, even going oh. back to the gray, like I love that we're in process. There's so much freedom and I'm in process instead yeah. of like I'm arriving or like, yeah, i have recovered from an eating disorder, but I'm always going to be in recovery as a person. Right. Like I'm always going to be healing and growing because I could talk for hours, but there's so many things that went into me besides just the behaviors. So behaviors were just information about what needed healed you know they gave me yeah a lot of information underlying yeah Yeah.
0: it's more of an underlying problem but and even to have the support of other people and speak up Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and get help any last
1: words Karis? yeah the quote that
0: keeps going through my mind is one that
1: i'm sure i've shared maybe multiple times but just (laughs) as we're talking about this is and i don't know who said it and it's very simple but it's just it takes your whole life to grow up yeah. And oh, I, I think, that. I think that's so true. I know. I've, I've, I, I know that, that sometimes that I've shared that with a couple people and it's incited a little panic, like what, <laughs> because it's that black and white, I want to arrive kind of mindset. And I think one of the most important shifts we can make is that mm-hmm. like Rachel was saying, we're always in process. We're always mm-hmm. growing. We're always learning. It's not done when we reach adulthood. In fact, most of it begins when we reach adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so just, trying to move to that more compassionate, curious space of mm-hmm. we are always in process and it takes our whole lives. Yeah. And thank God we are, you know, like- Yeah, I find a lot of vibration in it. Like if we arrive, we stop growing. And I don't ever wanna yeah. be a person who's like, yep, that's how
0: I am. I'm <laughs> here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thank you so yeah. much, Karis and Rachel. This is- Thank you, Jamie. Fantastic. Definitely. So any, um, any place, do you want to quick say where? people could find you Instagram. You are the therapy sisters, correct?
1: Yep. We're at the underscore therapy underscore sisters. And then we're also on Facebook. I think it's at the therapy sisters podcast.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here as we kick off this podcast together. I really appreciate you joining me on this journey because I'm well aware you could be doing or listening to anything right now. Hey, if you enjoy the authentically raw content, please support the show by following, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also follow me on social media for daily inspiration. Head over to my website, jamiebarris.com to sign up for weekly transformation tips. Or if you're interested in coaching, I currently have three openings for one-on-one coaching. If you're looking for an empowering community, we'd love for you to join us in the Transformation Tribe our group coaching membership. More info available on my website under the life coaching and membership tabs. One last thing, I'm rooting for you. Be real, be raw, be authentic.